practicing bhavana meditation, we're always bringing our mind back to the breath, to the present moment. With sati and sampajanya, mindfulness and clear understanding of what we're doing right now, what we're experiencing right now. Training the mind like this is what allows us to take the theory of Dhamma, the Pariyati, put it into practice, Patipati, and bring us to realization, Patiwaita, where we can actually recognize, realize dukkha, its cause and its ending, its cessation. Actually know and experience that rather than just thinking about it, remembering teachings, analyzing them, discussing them and thinking about them. We're actually seeing Dhamma, when we practice mindfulness like this. Although we need the theory to guide us in the beginning. The theory is still part of the conventional world. Samuti, Banyati. It's not yet liberation. So if we only stay on that level of theorizing, uh, thinking about Dhamma, talking, reading, we can't break out of that limited nature of uh, the conditioned world. The Buddha, we talk about as a transcendental teacher, one who transcended the world, knower of the worlds, realized the Lokuttara Dhamma, that which transcends the world, takes the, the mind and one's experience to liberation, vimuti. That he achieved through training in uh, sila, samadhi and panya as we are doing now 
developing this ability to know truth, and know the Four Noble Truths through our experience. Developing mindfulness, seeing dukkha as dukkha, the cause of dukkha as the cause, the cessation of dukkha, realizing that. And when we're still caught up into conventional reality, the superficial appearance of things, there's so much temptation for the mind just to get caught up, <coughs> confused by things and end up in different kinds of dukkha because it's the conditioned nature of the world, the conventional world. We're always putting labels on things, attaching to them our perceptions and then what we think about them. From this we form views, fixed views attached, attached to views. And this is the limitation of the conditioned world, the conventional world and the way, conventional way of looking at the world. Doesn't really take us to see the true essence of Dhamma, the true nature of the world. As the Buddha pointed out, it's anicca, dukkha, anatta. Nevertheless, we have to use the conventional reality. Otherwise, it's too it's just impossible to start practicing or to discuss practice. So, we, for the theory, we talk about the conventions of this world. So we say there's a person, one who is practicing. There's a person who makes karma, good and bad karma, receives the fruits of their karma. But when we come to practice developing mindfulness and wisdom, and then we're going beyond that So we use the conventions, but then we have to go beyond them through the practice of mindfulness and then developing wisdom through wise reflection. And this is a constant challenge for one practicing, the tendency to always go back to the conventional reality, as is our habit. When we lose our mindfulness and our awareness of Dhamma, truth, the mind tends to go back into its conditioned way of thinking. So it's back to a sense of self, me, mine, myself. And this is actually where we suffer. So we, in experienced terms, that might just mean grasping at our thoughts and feelings and emotions that come up day by day 
moment by moment as we meditate even. So we might have the sense I'm thinking a lot as we meditate. Or even as you're listening to this talk, you might find your mind can't concentrate on the words. Just keeps rushing off into thinking. Can't stay in the present moment. And we might end up believing all those thoughts, getting caught up, entangled in them. Or even if we have some awareness that we're thinking a lot, we might start creating a self-view around them. Say, I'm thinking a lot, I can't meditate. Or whatever the self-view may be. And on it goes. And this is the our habit. And it's the nature of uh, conventional reality. We keep doing this. So the Buddha gave us all these teachings, these reflections to help us steer our way through this experience. So we know that the the basis for this is this attachment to the five kandas. Body, feeling, memory, thought formation, sense consciousness. The five focuses of identity or basis for attachment. And these are dukkha. They're what feed all the, the other dukkha we talk about, see, birth, old age, sickness and death. Sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, despair. Being united with what we dislike. Separation from what we like. Not, got, not getting what we want. All these different experiences of dukkha all come down to the attachment to these candors and not seeing the delusion, the ignorance, hiding that. We don't see how we attach to things. The whole Buddhist path is helping us to train to see this attachment to the five candors and see how it's the cause of our suffering. As we practice meditation, we can do this very, in a very practical, direct way. We can observe feeling passing, arising, passing away. Thoughts arising, passing away. As we establish mindfulness from moment to moment, we can see that. We can see the anicca of our experience quite easily I think we can build up some insight some understanding there just seeing the nature of things arising passing away how unreliable the candors are and whatever pleasure pleasurable feelings we experience we can't help but have to agree that they don't last, they change, they pass away, however much we would like them to last and we grasp onto them, we can't do that, 
Mindfulness reveals that simple truth to the mind. The pleasure we can have through sight, sound, taste, touch, smell, taste, touch, or just the ideas that we can get caught up into the mind, fantasies, imagination, so on. But similarly, painful experiences also don't last. You have pain in your body as you sit meditation, just one movement of the body and all that pain disappears from our experience. Painful memories and unpleasant thought formations come and go. They're not there all the time. So as we meditate, we can learn from this experience. This is patipati, developing mindfulness, reflecting on our experience, using a meditation technique to do this. Just seeing, just knowing experience as a rising, passing way. And what is impermanent is dukkha. It's unstable, unsatisfactory, no lasting source of happiness or peace for the mind. And these are conditions, conditioned phenomena, feelings, thoughts and so on. So they're anatta, there's no self in what is conditioned. When we meditate we can start to see this in a very direct way. When certain conditions come together we might have a negative or unpleasant experience. When those conditions change, that experience changes, passes away. If we grasp at the conditions, then we become that. So if the conditions are good, we, we say we're getting what we want, then we have pleasure and we feel happy. So we are, experience of that moment is happiness. So we say, I'm happy, so we become happy. So our attachment to our candors at that time makes us become happy. If the conditions are unpleasant, we can become angry or depressed or sad. If we attach to those conditions, we become that way. But the conditions change and that sadness goes. Move on to something else. As we practice meditation regularly, we can see this habit of the mind to get caught into conditions. The thoughts, the emotions, what we build up as a self through this attachment to the conventional reality. But with mindfulness we can see this happening and we can detach by knowing it, seeing it for what it is, we can detach a little bit, separate back from it. So this sense of identification with the candors starts to fade a bit, 
at least sometimes when mindfulness and wisdom is strong, clear. The nature of this, practicing in this way, is it brings the mind in line with truth, developing samaditi. At first it's still just lokiya samaditi, the worldly right view. So we've learnt the theory, intellectually we understand it, we can start looking at the world around us, looking at things and start to notice anicca dukkha anatta, start to notice the conditioned nature of our existence and the way attachment forms. <coughs> but if we keep practicing, then this is what grows into lokuttara samaditi, the transcendental, transcendental right view, which actually brings the mind to this experience of ending suffering, cessation of suffering by no longer grasping or attaching to the delusion of self in all of these candors. With that sense of separation between the, the, the mind that is trained in mindfulness and wisdom and the experience of the candors is established. Clear separation is a knowing knowing of the nature of the kandas as anicca dukkha anatta, nature of the world, anicca dukkha anatta, all sankharas. So we chant anicca, anicca vata sankhara, padavaya dhamino pajitava nirujanti, te sangupa upasamo sukho. All conditions are impermanent. They have the nature to rise and pass away. Once arisen, then they pass away. The final cessation of conditions is stillness, is the highest happiness. It's the realization of cessation of attachment to conditions, to feelings, memories, thoughts, and to this body as a self. When we talk about stillness or separation or emptiness, it's, that, it's the stillness of mind within these conditions, within the candors. So there's still a person there that on the conventional level we can talk about. There's still experience of feeling, but it's the non-grasping at it. And we can all, and have all, practiced this. You know, sometimes we can just sit there and observe feelings arise and pass away, not grasping at it. Sometimes painful feelings, sometimes pleasure. When the mind is strong, the path is strong, the sila samadhi panya is strong, we can do that. Then naturally, sometimes things fall apart again, and we feel like we got dukkha back with dukkha. That's when the 
path factors, the sila samadhi, panyas, faded a bit. So that sense of self returns, and with that, then it's naturally going to be dukkha. This sense of self, conditioned by ignorance, grasping at feelings as being me and mine, is <coughs> naturally going to be dukkha. Because you can't have <coughs> the pleasant feelings that you want all day long. It's impossible. So we're back with seeking the pleasant, trying to avoid the unpleasant, and that sense of dukkha that, and stress that forms around that. The dukkha of the body, hunger and tiredness and aches and pains and all of that, the dukkha of thoughts, thinking a lot, thinking too much, grasping at that. So when that sense of separation or emptiness of self fades, then we're back with dukkha, we're back with attachment. So that's why we feel not so good. The Buddha's word for it was heavy. Para hare pancha kanta. These candas are heavy. They're like a heavy burden that the mind ca carries. When there's no s separation, there's no knowing of of the candas with mindfulness. Then they feel heavy. The body feels heavy when it's you're just experiencing it as a self with dukkha. It feels heavy. And literally sometimes it's kind of hard to even move the body with the dukkha. But the mind feels heavy as well. If you are always attaching to feelings, thoughts, memories as yourself, then it's heavy. And the more negative, the more unwholesome they are, well, the heavier it becomes. So we feel the dukkha of, say, our more unpleasant thoughts, and emotional states, then we feel the dukkha of knowing that we're caught into unpleasant states. There's just sort of heaviness upon heaviness. Whereas any time we establish mindfulness, even of the unpleasant mind states or the dukkha of the body, when you establish mindfulness of it, brings the mind to this sense of lightness. Awareness that this is just conditions, but they're not. It's not the real you. It's not nothing to get upset about, or give much importance to. So when there's a strong sense of <coughs> self, with no mindfulness, then we <coughs> give importance to everything. Every feeling, every thought, every mood, it all becomes important. So it becomes very heavy.
when we establish mindfulness then things become much lighter and we have this sense of being at ease with conditions even if sometimes those conditions are unpleasant but there's a sense of just knowing them as conditions as sankhara arise and pass away this is why insight or panya is completely linked, tied up with the Brahma-viharas called metta panya vimuti, the liberation of the heart with metta and wisdom. And say if you're just being mindful of the candas, mindful of conditions arising, passing away, then naturally that means there's metta present in the mind, because true metta, the metta of the Buddha and the Arius is always unconditional, <clears throat> unconditional love, we say, which means unconditional acceptance of conditions, whether it's oneself or other people. There's no aversion towards oneself or the idea of oneself or to other people or the idea of other people. When there's pure mindfulness and insight into one's experience, there's always metta present. The mind isn't judging itself. So then if one is mindful of even, say, negative states of mind, negative emotions arising, one can just observe them without judging this idea of self or identifying with them as a self and then getting self-critical or negative. One just naturally has metta, one is at ease and has a sense of tolerance for oneself or if it's applying to other people. Similarly, there's a natural sense of karuna, compassion, understanding how suffering forms through this attachment, identification with the candors, creation of a sense of self. One can see that in one's own mind and experience. One can see it in others' experience. So there's compassion, understanding how we suffer in this way. But having understood that, then one also has the vision of how to end suffering. So one that's compassion is directed towards ending suffering for oneself or for other people. There's also Pekka present in the mind. Understanding that on the conventional level where there's all these people in the world, each individual is responsible for their own karma. 
if people are suffering then they have to accept the karma that's led up to that if we're suffering we have to accept the karma that has led up to that suffering if there's something we can do about it good if there's not we have to accept sometimes it's beyond our ability even with ourselves sometimes we just have to accept the karma of our past conditioning we might not like it as we practice mindfulness and say very unskillful thoughts arise which might distress us a bit make us feel guilty or unhappy if we practice mindfulness again and establish upeka we accept well this is my karma but the wisest way to deal with that is to bring out mindfulness of it just accept with mindfulness and this is the karmic conditioning that's arising now so even a negative thought some form of greed, anger, delusion one can make the object of mindfulness and step back from return to emptiness to separation between the knower and that experience If we keep practicing in this way, then this is little by little, this is the way we build up the experience of practice that leads to realization to Patiwetta. Keep applying mindfulness. If we have enough patience and energy and effort to do that, every day, as I say, everything is teaching us, everything becomes a source of Dhamma allowing stuff to arise but then allowing it to pass away through the presence of mindfulness one can actually see thoughts passing away even if they're coming up very rapidly all the time emotional states can just pass away and one becomes more aware of the cessation of things We notice when there's not much mindfulness, the mind is always grasping at the new thing, the new mood, the new thought, the new issue, the new whatever, new experience. We're always planning our next new experience, hoping, anticipating for new things, looking for new things. But when we're training in this practice, mindfulness and wisdom, we tend to also notice the cessation of things and actually as insight becomes more firm in the mind well the cessation is more prominent than the birth or the arising of things just as one breath comes in and goes out one thought arises passes away sense contact arises, passes away every moment we're getting a little older feelings are coming, going, our experiences are coming but they're going, there's cessation going on all the time teaching us this point if the mind is receptive enough to look and observe it So the mind gets more and more used to cessation 
ending of things. This is where we can let go of this attachment to the candors, to this idea of self that we keep building up. We can actually let things go because we're seeing the cessation. That's the natural way of things anyway, just to, to allow them to cease. This body is getting older, it has to die one day. We can contemplate that, see that right now, see the death in this body, realize that. All that we can do with this body, all the sights, sounds, tastes, smells, we can experience with it, have to end when the body ends. Every thought we can have must end, every feeling we have must end. This is what takes us away from the conventional reality. You notice in the world how it, the ending of things isn't talked about so much. You know, when they try and sell you something, they never say, oh, come on this 15-day you know, holiday in the sun, it's going to end. They only talk about the beginning and what's coming and get you excited. Or you know, a restaurant, you go to McDonald's, they don't say come, come and have this meal because it's only going to last 15 minutes and then it's over. The way of the conventional world is always focusing on the beginning and the new things and that's why Sangsara is the way it is. We, fed, we feed Sangsara by always focusing on the beginning of things. The birth, the beginning, the new stuff. The old stuff and the ending of things we tend to overlook and ignore. And so we get caught out by it. We always, that's why the cycle of Avijja, Pacheya, Sankara, right through to Upadana and then Bawa, Jati, etc. That's why it always leads to Dukkha. It's because we're always getting disappointed because we forget that things end. We get a new, some new material thing, it ends. It breaks or we lose it or it just wears out. We have good health and then it wears out or we get ill again. We have youth and it wears out into old age. So cessation is the contemplating cessation, seeing it, whether it's just in one meditation or just generally in life, is a way to bring the mind to this understanding and bring the mind to a sense of peace, separation from always grasping at the new and grasping at the candors. You can see if you train yourself in that way over and over again then it's going to become very established in your attitude, your outlook. This way we could talk about samaditi, it's the way we see things, our view of things. When all the path factors are right, well then it will actually lead to complete 
breaking through of all delusion, then they won't return some of those delusions. So then dukkha won't return. Maybe not, first it's not the ending of all dukkha, but at least the coarsest dukkha ends. This is why I say occasionally people have realizations when listening to Dhamma, particularly in the time of the Buddha. Not just listening to the Buddha, even, even listening to other teachers, disciples of the Buddha. The most simple kind of reflection really penetrates very deeply into their jitter, their consciousness, and changes their view of things and leads to this automatic separation from the candors and the view of the candors as a self. Like Sariputta, when he was a layman, is already practicing, but in another sect, Upatisa always looking for the teacher because he sensed the teacher he had wasn't the right one, not yet good enough, not yet wise enough. And when he saw Asaji, Venerable Asaji walking Bindabhata, just his peaceful demeanor was enough to make him feel sure this is someone who's seen some Dhamma. And this is someone walking with sense restraint their eyes are restrained, their ears are restrained, and they're walking peacefully, calmly. That was enough for someone who's sharp to really know, oh, this must be someone who's seen Dhamma. Goes up to him and asks for teaching. And they said, you won't give teaching out of humility someone who's let go of pride and conceit and sense of self. They're very humble, even though he's an arahant. He says, oh, I'm not the teacher. So he asks, who is your teacher, the Tathagata? Well, can you just give me at least a, a short taste of his teaching? So there's that famous phrase, Yehetu Bhagawa. All things that arise from a cause, the Tathagata has told of that cause and also of the cessation. When that cause ceases, those things cease. Just the most simple teaching like Sabe Sankara Anicca, but enough for someone who's obviously practiced develop the seal of the samadhi but not quite looking at experience in the right way yet. Just to hear this one simple phrase about the conditioned nature of things, that which arises ceases. And the Buddha, the Tathagata has told of this. It's enough for him to get it. So, legend has it became stream enterer, sotapanna at that very moment, just hearing that simple phrase. This is the power of the Dhamma, whether it's passed on from another or one brings it up to reflect for oneself if one's correct, one's right, ripe. The mind can accept that 
and separate from its formerly held delusion. So that sense of always falling into the new mood, the new thought process, the new attachment, it's broken. And the mind has a sense of stillness and emptiness there, a sense of separation between the, the mind trained in samadhi and then the candors. Just automatic knowing the candors as not self, automatically seeing them as conditions that arise and pass away. Even though, say for a sodapanna, there's still karma there, there's still the causes for defilements to arise, but there's no attachment to them or viewing of them as self. So it's like seven lifetimes maximum before that process comes to its final end and reaches Nibbana. The mind is set on course just to see experience as not-self. Body, feelings, memories, thoughts, sense consciousness. And each dukkha anatta, the mind sees that clearly, understands that clearly. Even though it's still remnants, karmic remnants, bringing up different experiences of craving, Every time craving arrives, the mind knows it as not self. That self view is is gone. And when we practice like this, we're doing that exact same thing. Just learning, training the mind in mindfulness and wisdom. Just reflecting on that whatever is arising into experience, however good, however bad, however peaceful, however not peaceful. In the end it all just fits into the five candors to be known as Anicca Dukkha Anatta. something to be really known with mindfulness really experienced if it's still just kind of the learning the theory then it's too easy isn't it to just to say oh it's all an each dukkha anatta and we can dismiss everything in the mind but we're not really getting down to the root of our attachment it can actually be another obstacle Oh, I know that, it's just an Ichidukanata. Like Lumpur Chah says, yeah, I know the cup is broken. I know everything's just an Ichidukanata. Maybe that stops us looking further or being very mindful of our experience. We just cling on to the memory of that, they say the intellectual understanding. Of course, it won't bring us to real cessation. It's just another view or belief. If we really want to experience cessation, then we have to put that into practice. With our sitting, our walking, and our general practice of mindfulness, just keep watching things arise, pass away. And this, this insight will become deeper. So I'll, I'll leave these thoughts with you for your reflection. <coughs>